Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I gotta ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Nation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, D. Oxley, and I'm here live. We're here live today with a friend of mine from, originally from Brooklyn, now living in Boston, Christopher Sewell. Give it up. Hey, <laughs> hey how's it going, man? I hope yeah, I didn't forget you? your last name. No, Sewell's great. Sewell, okay. Yeah. Ah, man, how's everything going? Quiet, you know, just really here working. That's trying to run, work out, things like that. Nothing different. Trying to maintain as much sanity as I can in these crazy times. So, have, are you are you are you still on lockdown? I mean, yeah, we're still in. I think phase two or something like that right now. Um, mm-hmm. And so, just continuing to, you know, I, I'm going to socially distance until things seem better. So it's like it's not like phases really don't bother me or don't phase me. In, a, in any mm-hmm. way, still going to rock a mask, still going to keep my distance as best as possible to maintain good health. Gotcha. So ha- have you gone out for a run today already? No, I have not. Um, I'm, I'm, I hurt my foot, so I've been riding Ooh. my bike instead. Um, gotcha. So I can get, like, get a little rest. But yeah. Okay. That sounds like a good strategy. You're a coffee drinker. You know, we have this, this um, routine that I usually do, at the, that we usually do at the beginning of the show. So I got to know, are you a D&D man or are you a, a uh, five bucks man? So actually, I have, uh, not that I've never had coffee, but I do not drink coffee at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It is for me, I found that like, I feel people who I knew started drinking and became addicted to it. And I was like, that just becomes too much. And so I just, I'm a water drinker. That's my a water drinker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got some water. <laughs> Yeah, I've got some water. Usually, I would switch up. Sometimes I do um, D&D, and for the atmosphere, I would, uh, would frequent five bucks. But lately, I, I don't know if they're, they've been, uh, mm, been a, little, a little sketchy lately. I don't know. Yeah, I, I only <laughs> go to Starbucks for the lemon loaf, and I've taught myself during coronavirus how to make a, a great uh, copy of that. So no real need to go there anymore. Okay, you got the icing on the top also? I do. I have it all. Okay. I, I didn't know you were um, so, so talented. You know, you got you to gotta try new things. Like, you have time on your hands. So baking has been my thing to try during this uh, coronavirus time. Okay. So you have, how long have you been running? For those uh, people that don't know you, um, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, how you got started on this road to, uh, to running? So I, you know, growing up, I always ran like, like not 
competitively, but I was a fast person. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I just, but I just never was interested in com in competitive sports. And so I just kind of threw that to the back burner. Fast forward, I moved back to New York in, uh, I guess I'm in 2014. And I was living far away from the gym that I was signed up for. Like the gym that I was signed up for was close to my job or on Brooklyn. And so I had this app at the time that paid you to work out, right? And you had to do at least 30 minutes a day. And if you'd set a goal, you'd say, I'm going to work out X number of times per week. If you met that goal, you got a little pay. If you didn't, you had to pay the app for every day you missed the workouts. Is how Ooh. it works. Okay. Um, and so Is that app still around? No, it's since closed. But... Um, it was so like this at work that way. So it was a Sunday. I didn't feel like going to the gym and I was like, you know what? It gives you credit. If you, if you turn, if you show that you run for 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, so I said, okay, let me see how this running thing works outside. Cause I really was never like, I used to don't go to treadmill here or there, but not really like start running. And so I did it. It was like, you know, just at a three miles and I was like, Oh, this wasn't actually that bad. And so I was like, well, mm -hmm. maybe because I want to go out after work, which is normally when I went to the gym, I was like, what if I started to run in the morning before work? And then when I go to the gym in the afternoon, I could just do a quick lift and not have to like really be there for, you know, an hour and a half or whatever between running and lifting. So I started in that mm -hmm. and I would do every Saturday a little bit more. So went from three miles to four, four to five, build my way up to 10. And then my friends were like, if you're going to run 10 miles, you might as well just do a half marathon. So that's when I did my first mm -hmm. half, and then that's when I kind of got connected to people in, you know, black, other black people who were doing running. That led me to doing, like, starting with the New York Roadrunner Series. So in 2015, I did all of the, the qualifiers for 2016 race. But I also ended up running, again, really by friends who were training for the New York Marathon, pulling me along in their long runs. And so I ended up doing the Philadelphia Full in 2015. And so then okay. I just kind of kept going after that. Um, and so I've done five fulls since then. That, I don't count the other races. I don't know people like know how many halves they've done. Probably I've done like seven halves, five fulls, or something like that. But um, the last one I did was in Berlin, and that for now is going to be my last full. Um, for now, just okay because where I live is hilly, and I just don't enjoy the the constant hills in the running. So. I just can't hit a groove with that. But I can do, you know, three, four, five, feel like I'm all right. But yeah, it's a, it's, now that it's, I have a bike, I can mix it up. So that's good. Yeah, it's a nice switch. I think um, for a while I was just doing, they have a, a trail that's parallel to where I live. And, you know, you got to drive to it. So like a quarter of a mile drive. So it's like I get in the car, drive, get out the car, do four miles, and then go back to the house. Mm -hmm. You know, with the lockdown, people started walking on the trail. I'm like, we're all these people. What are they doing out here on the trail? They're like, ah, it's too many people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm glad they're getting out and just too many people will be, you know, this was at the, the initial, you know, we're, we're, be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put your mask on. So the, 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 the I guess my awareness and, and I was a little bit, I'm still a little heightened, but it was, it was much more heightened in the beginning with the constant updates on, on the news. And it's like, okay, this is, I don't know what's yeah, happening. I, don't wa I rarely watch the news anymore, honestly. Mm. Like, I, mm -hmm. I used to have a routine where, like, I came home after work and at 4 o'clock would be, like, turn on, like, 4.30 when I got home, turn on CNN and, like, watch that until it was, like, primetime TV time. I now have a rule 
that I do not turn on the TV to four o'clock. And I maybe if in the grand scheme of things, I watch CNN a total of five evenings mm-hmm. since we've been doing this. Just this is just too much. I already get flooded with it on social media. So if I'm on social, if I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Insta and I'm seeing all the news or I get the alerts on my phone of like big news updates and the crazy yeah. things are happening. Why sit down for hours watching it on TV and getting annoyed by it? So yeah, <laughs> I just try to avoid even engaging with it at all. Yeah, yeah. I guess it has to be a, a diet. I guess everyone does things differently, but yeah, I, I couldn't. I don't even have the news on, so I might. I'll see an update and look into it, find something interesting, and then move forward. And what what came across my mind, um, and you know, part of the reason I wanted to have you on on the show is, like I said, let me call my gay friend and find out get the gay perspective i sound like a white guy saying let me let me let me call my black friend and tell me what you think about the black lives movement um but i wanted to get an idea from you what it's like uh what you've experienced in the uh running community as as a black man and also being a uh, a, a black gay man yeah i mean let me just be honest like i will say that the black running community i've not encountered and like for me personally like the black running community was very welcoming to me I will say in my initial um, beginnings in the black running community, it was through Black Men Run. That was my initial um, instance. I did find them. I, there are many of them as individuals that I feel that are, are great people. I felt there was a machismo that was, or, you know, uh, air around that space that was a little bit off-putting for me. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, through other means, I found other groups of people to be connected with. That being said, like, I feel like, I've, I've had, I found great community in that space. And so for me, it's been more about just continuing to find not even like I'd say now, especially once I, since I've like moved, I moved. I mean, it seems my, I've never stayed in the city more than four years. So in general, like I move every two mm-hmm. to four years. Right. So for me, it becomes more about the people that I connect with and the ways in which like, especially now that like New York is where my family is. Like when I'm home, I can see those people and we can run together and like, I'm not really caught up in the, you know, even when you look at the Facebook groups and all these, you know, multiple Facebook groups that they have about things like I'm in them and I see that there's drama that happens in them. And I'm just like, Oh, who knew? Like, okay. <laughs> I, I don't even know. Like I got to message my other friends and be like, what's happening there. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, for, and I will, I will say I found some really great, um, you know, black male gay friends through the running community. Right. And so some people who have been my, you know, we, we formed a lifelong bond through our own training for marathons together or just feeling like we could have space with one another. So, you know, I see where there's sim- similar replications of what we would say of spaces where, th- where it could be off-putting for mm-hmm. those who may be black and queer if people are replicating kind of, you know, their own um, ways in which, you know, his- stereotypically black men are supposed to engage in with one another i've seen that i choose not to be putting myself in those spaces or when i see those things happening just being like it's time it's for my own sanity it's to take a step back because it's not the energy that i hope to get in the world mm-hmm. it's, that's that's what i wanted to because I, I it's almost like you're getting you're getting it like on on a double end in terms of what's happening now in 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 society and then so you're 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 getting damned for being a black man. Then you're then you're getting you know whacked again for supposedly being queer. And then you're in you're in these running groups. And then it's it's just like how do you 
how do you maintain your sanity? Or, or, and I don't know if people know that that, that can be off-putting. Um, so I try to, you know, have conversations. Because I don't think people are aware of it, or maybe they are aware of it, or just choose to, you know, just uh, not talk about it. I'm sure there are lots of people who choose not to talk about it, right? And I, I'm sure mm -hmm. that there are ways in which people who are in those spaces don't recognize it because they themselves are not, they're just operating in the ways where they operate, right? Or the ways they were were, were socialized to be, right? So um, I think for me, you know, so here's the thing about running for you. I will go to a long run with a group of people. Um, if there was like a speed workout or something like that, okay, if I'm free and I don't have to do things for work, sure, I'll pop by the speed workout. But really and truly like, Saturday long runs, or actually, like, even though when I trained for some runs in a few years ago, I was actually running on Friday nights, and I would just say, yo, I'm running from home, from work home on Friday. If anybody's in Manhattan and wants to run back to Brooklyn with me, let's run together. Like, I don't really do this, the, again, this gets back to my point, is like, maybe it's just my own personal view, is like, those organizations are great to help meet people. And when I meet the people that I am connected with, then I'll stick with those people, right? So my way of dealing with it is I, or, or engaging with it is I, I find the good people and I'm glad for the good people. And if our schedules mm -hmm. meet up, then we make it work. I just don't see the need to, I think there's some people who need that in order to run, right? Like they need those spaces and they choose to, even in the talk, potentially toxic environment, stay there because they're like, well, I will mm -hmm. run if I don't have these other people. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be there to, to do that, if that makes any sense. And so that's part of my yeah, sense. That makes sense. And the process is that, like, I just go and I meet some good people. I'm like, great, good people. Let's make this work. And then we have our separate, like, I'm not messaging you in the group, in the big group. I'm messaging you. We have our own, like, our own private kind of messages. And we have our own spaces that we send notes to one another and say, yo, let's figure out when we're going to run or yo, what are you doing this week? Tell me what you're doing. We're not in the same place. Like now that I'm not in the same place. Okay. What's our plan for the week? You run in two, three times. How many miles mm -hmm. are you trying to do this week? All right, let's check in at the end of the week to figure out what we did. Like that to me is more valuable in the way that I operate than it is to feel like I have to be. Cause I think that's where it gets especially toxic, right? Is that when you're like, I'm reliant on this space in order to, for me to do what I need to do, it can become really hard to break away from that or call it out, right? I yeah. I just don't. I like I'm 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 Mary Jane. No more drama, and so let's just not have any connections to those spaces. Yeah, I don't. I think that I think I know. I could probably count the the number of group runs that I've gone on on one hand. Most of like my, my training and stuff is 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 solo, like you said. You know, I've I've made the trek down to Brooklyn a couple of times to go on a on a on a group run, whether it was with um, Lean Strong Fast or Black Men Run. Um, I've gone to the city once when Kevin Hart was was doing, mm -hmm. and that's about it. I've run in Central Park, but it wasn't a group run. I just happened to be there, and other people were running. I, that's not a group run. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll participate. I may post uh, occasionally in, in some of the running groups, but it's not a, a, a constant thing. I don't have a group here in Connecticut that that connection to say, well, I, I'm going to get out on Saturday and, and we're going for, for a run. So I wonder sometimes how, 
how is it for for people who who may not fit into you know, or might be different, or might not be. Then some people don't don't want to talk about it. And you see the, uh, the like the toxic environment. You say, well, you see it online. Do I really want to subject myself to this? And are people aware of it? And um, you wrote an article, and so um, a while back, talk about toxic, you know, masculinity and, and how people uh, view. I think it was about um, dear white people. Yeah, lying and how people. Yeah. Yeah. So talk, talk to us because I, I was like, okay, this is um, this is interesting. I liked your perspective. Yeah. So I mean, the work that I write about is mostly around gifted and talented students, right? So their experiences in being gifted and talented, and so I, with Lionel, the work that I did was talking about how Lionel was black, gay, and gifted, and how he had to navigate those a space that was more black male identified to being a space that was technically mixed gender, but had more women in it, right? And what ways in which though that created a safe space for me in running or that my running partners were not actually men, right? Like it was mostly black woman who I was running with, right? And so what, is, what does that mean in, in space and how do you, and again, that might be, this might be, let's also think about this, this may be a New York context versus other cities. There may be other cities that there's spaces that are more black queer running identified that, I, that I'm not tapped into or that I'm not a part of, but that there is an important place to play in looking at the ways in which, especially in some of these groups that black women have played in providing supportive and opening spaces. Um, I could say for me and I'm sure for others. Yeah, that, that's, that's part of the reason why I, I... And navigating whether it was, you know, Black Men Run or, or Lean Strong Fast or the National Black Marathoners Association or some of the, the white groups, Marathon Maniacs or whatever, to just be able to, there's a diverse group of people and they're, they're and I, I guess through running, you, you, you have different spring-offs where somebody says, well, you know, I, this is what we like. We want to mix music with running. And so we have a creative group of people who do art and graffiti and music and so we formed our own little group uh based off of our our mutual likes but then when you have like a large like a national black marathoners association or black men run and then you have you have obviously different types of people in it we have you have you have going to have sherry and you're going to have some some gay individuals queer transgender etc whatever and are they going to be accepted are, are we going to talk about it is it something that we just kind of is is taboo when then we don't say anything and and so, so i have questions and so when i see the the news article that had that had come out and people talk about like civil rights and then you'll hear things about the lgbt lgbtq community and people wonder well they that that had seemed to have gotten some advancement and so what, what about civil rights as a black person why is this happening and you can't say anything so it be, there's this it seems like there's this tension and i wonder if, if that's just my imagination or is it is it reality or, or what? you know i think one of the things that we have to re reckon with and it's something that we i think struggle in general with naming is that black queer people have been at the front lines of some of many of our movements, right? So when we think about Bayard Rustin and the March on Washington, he was the architect behind that. But because he was a black queer man, he was put to the background, right? Or, and people basically, you know, there's stories about potentially saying that he was 
threatened with blackmail to be like, if you come out and say this, then we'll, you know, like this will be bad for MLK or whatever the case may look like, right? When we look at the current Black Lives Matter movement, it was founded by black queer women. Like, mm-hmm. we can't continue to um, and decouple these things, right? Like, these things are in, in, important and inherent in our discussions that we have, right? So, not name that black queer people, black trans, like, look, oh, let's, let's name Stonewall riots. Let's, you know, like, Marsha P. Johnson, uh, as a black trans woman, here's what this looks like, right? Like, these are the people leading these movements. And we have to, we can't continue to talk about, if we're not talking about that and naming that, like, you know, we talk about, oh, black people are conservative. But yes, you hopped on the bandwagon when a black queer person was ready to fight the fight and lead that fight. And so if we are not willing to reckon with the ways in which black queer people have saved us, and that's not saying that they're, these are just three examples. There could be multi, many other examples where black mm-hmm. queer people are able to put themselves on, you know, to, to advance populations, right? Because the plural is in that place. They're not just always thinking about their own black identity, right? They're thinking about the multiple identities which, which they operate and understand and hold. Um, we have to begin to have that conversation. And if we don't have that conversation or don't recognize that, like, we're, we're screwed. Like, we have to understand that, like, if we're going to put that, the fact, oh, that was a queer person, like, you can't erase the woman who, who founded Black Lives Matter. You can't erase them. Like, no. they are the ones who, who started it. Like, so to continue to be like, well, all of a sudden, like, when did LGBT become part of it? They, they started it. Like, Black LGBTQ started this movement. So, like, to, it, it, to me, it's, again, it's a co-opting in some ways or an erasure that we continue to have. We erase Black queer people. We erase Black women. We erase them from the narrative. And if we continue to erase them from the narrative, then we are up a creek because they're the people who have been leading us to freedom. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's, again, it's, when we talk about socialization, when we talk about the ways in which Black women and black queer people have again historically been pushed pushed to the margins but even further marginalized in our in communities it's just people who are operating under the continued guise of what they think power let's also talk about this you know we talk about you know racism being situated in power right that's inherent to the definition of racism there's also the ways in which we have been indoctrinated to believe that certain in order to have power, you have to operate and live in certain spaces, right? And so, you know, people are like, well, that is that going to be powerful? Is that going to do this thing? Or can I be able to hold power if I support this other thing? And if we're not realizing that that is, you know, we have to, we have to unpack that. Like, and we have to name that, like, if we want to move forward, we can no longer, like, basically operate in the same system with which white dominance operates right that white men are at the center of power and we're just trying to replicate that like a white cisgender heterosexual males are at the center of power then why are we we're trying to are we trying to replicate that in black communities why are you replicating that in black communities black women have been saving us and and on the front lines for a long time black poor people have been on the front lines and saving us for a long time why would we then try to replicate that power and that is not it hasn't been successful there (laughs) yeah so, so that that's why I wanted to. It's like th- there's even if even if a young man is growing up and, he, and and he's not he's not sure about his 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 sexuality yet, but he's into books. That it seems like that's a you know that's looked down upon. That's not that's not you know academic pursuits. That's not a, give me a ball and a football. You know you can run, jump, 
pop. And that's 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 okay. You know, there are just some things that, that I always sort of like questioned, like, you know, fall down, stop crying, like like I'm bleeding. <laughs> it hurts. So that's that's a natural response to tell someone not to cry, man up, you know, I don't there's just some how does that how am I first I'm not a man yet and I'm bleeding. <laughs> so it hurts. So, I mean, so just now you, you, you stifle it, and what do you think is going to happen as a result? It's, it's going to go somewhere, you know, and... You know, people I, I was, posted about these black... It's a perfect example. It's Black Boy Joy, right? Oh, black, black, hashtag Black Boy Joy. I'm all for Black Boy Joy. But if you're not letting black boys live in their joyfulness and really see their joyfulness, like, let me say this. I hated sports. I played baseball for one season when I was in second grade. I was terrible at it, and I simply mm-hmm. did it because I thought it was going to buy me some clout with my male cousins. Do you know what I mean? Like, or some of my classmates. That was going to be my way to get in with them. And then I hated it, and it sucked, and I sucked at it, and I recognized that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you know what? I became a master at jumping double dutch. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I was hella good at jumping double dutch, and I spent many a summer jumping double dutch all day long, right? You know, in some ways, being a black, growing up as a black, not let's add on black, but from a Jamaican household where we have, you know, a, 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 you know, there's this myth, this belief that, you know, Jamaicans are super homophobic, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the things described to them. Like, you know, it very well easily my mother could, or somebody could have been like, stop jumping double dutch. Like, that's not mm-hmm. what it is, right? Like, and nobody, I was fortunate that I could be in a space where no one stopped me from doing that. You know what I mean? Like, when I went to middle school and I wanted to start dancing, that no one stopped me from dancing in middle school. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, like... So what do, you, what do you attribute that, 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 that um, openness to or not trying to stifle you or... or... My family Look actually did well in school. That was one... That's, I will say another thing for me is that my family and, I, and some work that I've done with Black queer men reflecting on, gifted men reflecting on their things. And like one of the paramount things is like you do well in school and I did well in school. And so because I did well in school, there were very few things. Like it, it was like, that was the, the real thing that was asked of me. If you do well in school, that's what I want you. That's what we came here to this country for you to do is like for you to maximize this ability by, by doing this. So there are lots of things I was shielded from because I was a good student. Right. Or there are ways in which like I learned very early on. Like, I don't know if I, would have named that I was, you know, like some people say, oh, I knew I was gay in this way. Like I knew I was different in some ways because I didn't enjoy those, you know, his, you know, stereotypical masculine things, right? As a kid, I don't know if I can name that I was like, that I liked boys as a, a you know, very young, but like, I knew I was different. My family knew that I was different, but I did well in school. And like, I also learned as time went on, just thinking about the world and how it operated, that I separated those things very differently, right? So school was the place that I could be way more queer than at home, right? Like, and not saying that I wasn't queer at home, obviously I was, but like my friend groups were, you know, my my family might have known my friends who were non-queer versus the queer ones who I had at school or, you know, house very separate, you know what I mean? Like, and so that for me was the, the thing that did that. Gotcha. That. And the bottom line was that I just went to school. Like, when I do well in school, no one could argue with me. Like, what you told me to do is not get kicked out, don't get suspended, get good grades, <laughs> go off to college. And I did those things. And So, so you checked I, all the boxes. I checked the boxes that made them say, okay, you know what? You know, we may, even if I feel a way about this, he's, he's succeeding. And so mm-hmm. I can't, 
and I feel like that's how some people in, in, in my world operated, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I even see the, uh, even within re religion or in church settings where it's not, it's not talked about, you know what I mean? Or, or if it is talked about, it's, it's almost uh, to reckon with your relation, uh, relationship with God and yourself and you're, it, it, and you're hearing this from the Pope. I wonder what people, what people think. And, 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 um, yeah. I mean, I missed the beat. You cut up for the beginning part of your, of your comments, but I, again, I, I think it's about, per listen, you know, we have to remember like this, there's, there's a, the ways in which we've been indoctrinated as black people or black, you know, formerly people who are formerly enslaved by like the Bible was a certain way. And we read a Bible of, you know, like the Bible had certain excerpts cut out of it because they didn't want you to think about freedom. Right. Those same things were, continue to push down when we think about what it means to how people found what queerness means and what that looks like moving forward, right? We, we think about what, you know, people, you know, we, we, we also subscribe, again, this gets back to things that have been pushed on a politics of respectability, right? And what, is, what does it mean to be a respectable Black person? Is being a gay person a respectable Black person, right? Is being a sex worker a respectable Black person? Is, you know, like all of these things that where it's like, are these, are, what does it mean to be like, you know, no shade on this, but like my, when people are like, oh, let's go march in our suits. That's respectability politics. Like what, what, like why should we have to march in a suit to be seen? You know what I mean? Like, or why should mm -hmm. we have to do certain things? And like, I feel like we subscribe to those, people subscribe to a respectability politics that again is in, in that, or, or religious, you know, politics around religion and how it should be displayed um, and engaged. My point of view on that is that they, my relationship with God is personal. It's not necessarily what happens in a church building, you know? And mm -hmm. maybe that's a bit different for me. I grew up as a cap in, in a Catholic church and I grew up in a very white area where, the, you know, like I was one of the few black kids in the church. And, you know, the Catholic church is very kind of, in, in my experience, was very like rigid and wrote, and here we do this, we do this, we follow these rules, we go in, 45 minutes, we come out. It wasn't, yeah, four in hours. <laughs> with, you know, in communal space or it felt communal in the mm -hmm. ways that, you know, some of my peers went to church growing up. But, you know, we have to, again, like, because we, this gets back to the point that we're making earlier. When you decided that what it means to be a leader is being this sort of person, and anyone who is that sort of person is relegated to the margins, pushed to the side, erased, put away, we're going to continue to have this problem. Rather than just simply saying, we are committed to freedom or whatever that may look like. And it involves everyone in the community, no matter where they are, to take some sort of leadership, and we're going to work with and for one another, right? Like that, to me, is that like it, it is what what is most important. And if we're going to continue to create these divisions or erase people, we're going to be having these same arguments about where did LGBT come from? They've been here. Like, yeah. where where did, where did these black women come to this movement? They've been here. Let's name, yeah. we can go through and name them. Like, we just need to continue to do that. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things, that, I mean, I, I'm glad that the, the, the conversation around race is, is happening. Um, the Washington Post put out a couple of uh, suggested readings. Um, Ibram, X, in his book, he talks about the role that queer and gay people have played within uh, the civil rights movement and how they were, like you said, you know, put to the, uh, the margins and not talked about. And I mean, he... he the whole an entire history back from even, you know, 
as far back as slavery and Du Bois. And so, and so he talked about, you know, Ida B. Wells and, and, and how, her role. So you, you're, you're hearing these things. And so hopefully people who are, who may not have been aware or, or, or they're going and they're listening or reading and saying, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, so this is not a new phenomenon. This is something that has, has been going on. And so if we keep doing the same thing, we're going we're gonna to get the same results. And I, but I, I'm encouraged because I don't, I, I, this generation is, is different. They're not, they're not waiting around for, for someone to say it's, it's okay. And they're, they're, they're speaking out and saying, no, we're not, we're not, we're not taking that. We're not, this is wrong. This is why this is wrong. And, and I'm learning. I'm like, okay, so I had no idea what cis was. So I have, I have to find out, you know, what this term means and, and do the work. But it is, um, if, if we're expecting to see. That's one of the things that I think we're going to have to continue to, to, to navigate, honestly, is that, you know, people argue like, you know, you see these arguments like, who are next black leaders, right? They're here. Mm-hmm. They've been here. Like, yeah. But we don't recognize them as such, right? So when you're looking for the next MLK or Martin Luther King, I mean, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X to lead the, the and that's what you're looking for as black. That's why I feel like we keep saying, like, who are the next black leaders? And we're like, we have them. Black, we're, why are we not turning to the, the women who started Black Lives Matter movement? They are leaders in our movement. And like, yeah. we, that's part of the problem is all these articles that talk about who is the next black leader. They're here, but we don't listen to them. We don't cultivate them. We don't celebrate them. We don't push them out there to be leaders because we're waiting for the canonical black man mm-hmm. who is centered around a religious experience to lead us to freedom. Like, and I feel like if we don't begin to unpack that, we're going to continue to be in this stalemate, right? We're going to continue to be looking for the needle in the haystack rather than being like, actually, there are millions of people who can be leading us in this movement or who want to lead us in this movement, but we have chosen, again, to push them to the margins, right? So Mm -hmm. we don't see them on, on television. It's like, Think about who we who we um, see talking on television, right? It's the same five people, some of them problematic, on television spouting at their mouth, right? Like, mm-hmm. I love them, but wh- wh- why are we listening to the same again? Because they fit an archetype. Black leader is X, or yeah. black voice is Y, and if we don't unpack that, we're going to continue to be in this this problem because there are leaders and they're here and they're ready to work and they've been working. Yeah. And, and that's why that's why I, I wanted you um, to share your sp- perspective, to hear your voice. And because I think it's important, I think it's important for for the running, com- not only just the running community, just the community at large for people to, to hear and see different voices, different perspectives. And, oh, it's it doesn't have to be, you know, this this box to fit into this this particular image. <laughs>